Welcome to the sermon podcast of Kusada Baptist Church. We want to be a lighthouse to guide you on your journey through life. Listen as our pastor, Dr. Jim Graham, shares a message from God's Word and offers sound biblical direction for your daily life. We're in week three of If You Believe. The premise is that if you really believe in God, it would affect what you do. Makes sense, doesn't it? If you truly believe, it would, it would make you do certain things. It, it, it would change the way you act. In the first week, we said if you believe in God and you believe He is who He says He is and He loves you and He cares about you and He has a plan for your life and He wants you to walk with Him, that when you're going through a thing, the first place you would do, first thing you would do is go inquire of God. You'd go talk to God. You wouldn't Google it. You wouldn't go grab your friend. You wouldn't run to your parents. You, you, would, you would run to God. It's the first place you would go. The second thing, when the next week, what we said is, and when we go, we wouldn't go alone. We would uh, attach ourselves to other believers in church and Bible study and doing things. We would attach ourselves because in that story... Three kings went to talk to the prophet of God, and only one of them was godly. And the lesson we learned was that the prophet looked at one guy and said, if you weren't with this godly dude right here, I wouldn't even talk to you. But because you're with him, I'll talk to you. And I thought, wow, I want to make sure I got one of those with me, right? And in that story, they were in quite a dilemma. They were in a desert with no water. And they asked the man of God, what does God say we should do? And if you recall, if you were here last week, he said, God said, make the valley full of ditches. Remember that? Make the valley full of ditches, and I'll fill the ditches with water. And he even said, that's easy for God. Now here's my question. How many ditches would you dig? Sometimes God does these things. He does an arbitrary thing. He doesn't give you an exact number. You know, if God said dig three ditches ten feet long, I know exactly what I need to do. And I'll tell you what I would do. I would dig three ditches, and each one would be ten feet long. Exactly what I would do. But it's difficult when God says something like, make the valley full of ditches. What does that mean? Sometimes we get off track. Mama says, clean your room. So you clean your room. And then mom shows up and says, I thought I said clean your room. Apparently, there are different definitions of what that means. Make the valley full of ditches. Well, we dig some ditches, and at a certain point, I'm going to get tired of digging ditches, and I'm going to stop digging ditches, and I'm going to say, God, is that enough ditches? And this is what God does sometimes. He gives us some, you know, just a kind of a blank slate. The teacher says, write me a paper. You say, how many pages? How many words? And for you young people, us old people, had to literally count each word. The computer didn't do it for us. We had to count each word. And you know, it's 500 words, and you, you count, and you've got 484 And all of a sudden, there are 16 more ands 
in your paper. So we tend to kind of just do enough. But when they say, when the teacher doesn't say 500 words, they say, just make it good, you go, ugh, right? Now I don't know what I need to do. I would really like to know the minimum requirements. Why do we want to know the minimum requirements? Because that's what we're going to do. And so God often doesn't tell us the minimum requirements. He says something like, make the valley full of ditches. I'm going to read you a story from 2 Kings chapter 4, and after we read the story, I'm going to discuss it with you. But first, I'm just going to read it to you. It's really short. It's just seven verses long. It says, One day the widow of a member of the group of prophets came to Elisha and cried out, My husband who served you is dead. And you know how he feared the Lord, but now a creditor has come threatening to take my two sons as slaves. What can I do to help you? Elisha asked. Tell me, what do you have in the house? Nothing at all, except a flask of olive oil, she replied. And Elisha said, borrow as many empty jars as you can from your, your friends and neighbors. Then go into your house with your sons and shut the door behind you. Pour olive oil from your flask into the jars, setting each one aside when it is filled. So she did as she was told. Her sons kept bringing jars to her and she filled one after another. Soon, every container was full to the brim. Bring me another jar, she said to one of her sons. There aren't any more, he told her. And then the olive oil stopped flowing. When she told the man of God what had happened, he said to her, Now sell the olive oil and pay your debts, and you and your sons can live on what is left over. Here's your story. Here's a lady. She's in need. So she does what we discuss. She goes to the man of God. She goes to God, right? And it's a bad situation. Her husband died. I'm thinking he must have been young. He wasn't ready. He didn't have things lined up for her. And now she's in trouble. He owed money. It was very common in that time that if you couldn't pay a debt, they would either, they could throw you in jail, they could have just thrown them in jail, or this solution, take her sons, make them be their slave, work for them without pay. They're literally just working off the debt. So they're enslaved, indentured servitude, until the debt is paid, however long that takes. Now, she makes her appeal based on a relationship. Like, hey, you know my husband, he's, he was a prophet too, and he was on your team. He was one of the lesser prophets who worked for you and dealt with you. And so, I need your help. And he says to her, what do you have? Now again, what we really prefer when we go to God with a problem is for God to say to us, hey, go sit down, take it easy, kick back, I got this. But you read over and over again in Scripture, he does not often say that. He very rarely says that. He says things like, 
get a shovel and make the valley full of ditches. What he says to her is, what do you have? I'm in need. I have a financial problem. I have a shortfall. I'm in deep in debt. And he says, what do you have? And she says, I've got nothing. Nothing at all. Which tends to be our answer a lot of times. I don't have anything. We're like Moses at the burning bush. And he goes, God says, Moses, you know, I want you to do this. And Moses goes, I can't do anything. Gideon, I can't do anything. What do you have? I don't have anything. Lesson number one, we tend to focus on what we don't have, not on what we do have. We know this answer is not true. What do you have? I have nothing. She has something. She has something. But her response is, I don't have anything. We go to God because we have nothing. You see, if we had all the resources we needed, guess what we do? We don't go to God. Sounds terrible, doesn't it? But that's often the case. I got everything I need. I have a problem. I can solve the problem. I'll just go take care of it. I'll go do it. But I want you to know that many times God puts you in a position where you don't have. It's intentional. So then we're going to God. God, I don't have what I need, so I need you. And he goes, what do you have? This is a common question from God. Jesus, there's 5,000 people. It's dinner time. They've been listening to you all this time. We need to feed these people. we got to do something. What is Jesus? What's his question? What do you have? Well, we have one boy's lunch. That's what we have. This is how she answers the question. Nothing at all, but she actually says, I do have one flask of olive oil. That's the only thing of value that I have, but I do have that. Moses, I need you to lead my people. I can't do it. I don't have any resources to do it. The Lord says to him, What do you have in your hand? He said, I got this shepherd's staff. And God says, That's enough. One boy's lunch. Jesus says, What? That's enough. I have one flask of olive oil. Elijah says, good, let's get to work. We not only focus on what we don't have instead of what we do have. Listen, you need to look around you. You have resources. You have something. And no, it's not enough. But I want to say this to you. God doesn't need your resources to be enough. He doesn't need your resources to be enough. He needs your resources to be offered to Him. Given to Him. God doesn't need a huge buffet. He needs one boy's lunch. 
That's all he needs. Do you know what God can do with one shepherd's staff given to him? He can part a sea. That's what he can do. He can do all kinds of things. He just needs whatever resource you do have to be given to him. He needs us to say, God, I don't have anything, but here's what I have. I can look around and see, well, I've got that. I've got that. I can do this. I can do that. And here, God, it's all for you. Tell me what to do. Tell me what you want me to do. And God's response is, with that little bit right there, watch out. Brother Jim, all I have is this. All I can do is this. It's all I can do. Great. Do you think God looks at you and goes like, that's all you got? Let me go find somebody else. That's what you think. You think God says, oh, let me go find somebody else. Or you think what God's looking for is the person who's going, Woo, God, look at what all I got. No. He's looking for the person who says, All I have is this, but it's yours. And God says, I can work with that. Hey, I'm just 13 years old. Perfect. God, I don't have any experience. Great. God, I'm a little nervous about this right here. No problem. All I have is this. But with this, I'll give it to you. And God says, well then back up. Because guess what? When I have that and I have all your heart, it's amazing what I can do. I can take it, I can bless it, and I can multiply it. If you will recognize what you have, acknowledge it, and give it to God... It doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter whose you are. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what you have. It doesn't matter what you don't have. God asks, what do you have? The second thing he asks is this. Borrow as many jars as you can borrow as many jars as you can oof I hate that right how many should I get he said go to your friends and neighbors and borrow jars how many should I get I know what some people would say I'm just gonna keep borrowing I'm just gonna get there's no telling how many jars I'll get Okay, let me tell you something. No, you won't. No, you won't. You won't do it because, first of all, you don't have the energy or capacity. And you don't have the humility. We don't do it. I'll tell you where I would go. He said, borrow jars. First thing I would do is I would go to... My wife's parents and my wife's brother, they both live right down the street. That's what we do. You know, that's where we get tools. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, I don't have this kind of thing. Let me go see if they have it. We, you know, somewhere between us we have it. And I would go to them. Let me tell you something else. 
If it just so happened that our brother goes, oh, well, hey, back here in my storage building, I've got like a bunch of jars. I got like eight. We might go, oh, I've hit the mother load. Now between the two and what I had, I've got 12 jars. I've got plenty. Now I don't have to ask anybody else. Or maybe we go beyond that. We've got our tight circle of friends. You know how difficult this is. I need some jars. For what? For what do you need jars? We don't really like to tell our business. We live in the South. We'll tell anybody shallow stuff. Anybody. Complete strangers. We'll run into somebody in the store. You'll tell them how many kids you have, the general neighborhood you live in, where they go to school, what you do for a living. You'll tell them. You'll just chit-chat. But you won't tell them anything personal. Nothing deep. What do you need jars for? I got a little project I'm working on. How serious is this jar issue? Am I going to give you jars that are just my extra jars? Or do you need the jars that I actually use every day? When am I going to get them back? Oh, you don't know? Let me ask you this. Are you going to go to the gas station and talk to complete strangers and say, hey, you got any extra jars for a person in need? You want me to answer that for you? No, you are not. You're not. The fact is, once you get past your immediate family and maybe a couple of friends, you're not asking anybody else. Why? Two reasons. One, we wear out. You can only dig so many ditches. And second, you don't want to get your business out there and do too like you don't want to do that and unfortunately this is what god says get as many jars as you can and here's what we need to know you know what if we had known the end of the story see when they went in the house and shut the door you know what they couldn't do at that point they couldn't go out and borrow more jars They're pouring oil, one boy's holding, as soon as that finishes, and he moves with that full jar, the other son is putting an empty jar. We don't even have another person to go do it. The prophet didn't say, oh, because man, once you realize what's happening, then, then you want more jars, can't get them. If you knew that at the end of this story, what was going to happen is we were going to sell all the jars, pay the debt, and live off the rest. Let me ask you, wouldn't you have gotten three more jars? Or five? I think you would. I would. I would have. I'd be beating myself up going, Gosh, I could have asked so-and-so. I, I would have gotten more jars. I might have just borrowed some money and hit up Hobby Lobby and just bought some more jars. You know? Because here's the fact. The way I read this story, it goes like this. If they had gotten three more jars, 
guess what would have happened to those three jars? They would have been filled to the brim. But here's another thing you need to know. If they'd have gotten three less jars, the oil would have stopped flowing when they ran out of jars. How many jars would you borrow? And do you limit what God can do in your life? Because if you believed that God was who He says He is, when He says, get as many jars as you can, you are going at it till you're worn out. But if we don't believe, we don't do that. See, first of all, we need to understand something. Disobedience stops the process from the very beginning. There are some people in life, they're not borrowing any jars. They're not digging any ditches. They're still praying. They're still waiting on God to do something. I need you to know something. There's some people in there. Somebody in here, you're waiting on God, and He's waiting on you. This happens to me and Perlene from time to time. I hate to say it, but sometimes we get confused. It happened Wednesday night. It happened Wednesday night. I finished Bible study. She finished helping with GAs. We're standing in the fellowship hall. I go in there. She's talking to somebody. So I sat down, and I was waiting on her. Somewhere in that process, apparently she looked at me and one of y'all started talking to me. So then, somehow, she was waiting on me. You ever done that? You ever done mutual waiting? And then one of you says, I was waiting on you. And she says, what are you talking about? I've been waiting on you. Thankfully, my niece, who's sitting by her right now, saved the day. She looked at me and she goes, are we not ready to go? I said, I'm ready. I'm waiting on your aunt. And she goes, she's waiting on you. I said, well, round her up and let's go, you know. You ever done mutual waiting? Some of you are waiting on God to do his thing. But he's waiting on you to go get the jars. He's waiting on you to dig the ditches. He's waiting on you to go get the boys' lunch. He's waiting on you to offer your staff. He asked the question, what do you have? Are you ready to follow me? Are you ready to give it to me? Are you ready to do? I will bless you. I can help you. I will work in your life. I will do miracles. I will do things that will amaze you. And you go, well, I've never seen God do things like that. Well, my goodness, give him your staff. Go get the jars. The problem is, we're satisfied with something called above average. Above average is great. We're pretty happy with it in our society. Now, average sounds terrible. It's normal. That's where most people are at. Above average sounds pretty good. Think about it. Do you have the best marriage? The best. If we just analyze the church right here, you're top three. 
almost everybody in here is going to go, no, no, it's not the best. But I feel like I'm above average. Are you the best employee at your job? Well, I don't know if I'm the best. I mean, there's some crazy people out there, right? You know, write the paper. How many pages does it have to be? Three pages. There is that guy who writes the 10-page paper. It's that guy that causes the teachers not to say three pages. They say something that for most of us in this room has no application to whatsoever. But a teacher said they don't say three pages. What do they say? They say three to five pages. Do you know why they say that? No, I don't know why. I'll tell you why. Because there's one joker that will write a 12-page paper. And the teacher doesn't want to grade that one. No, no. So are you the best student? No. But I feel like I'm above average. What's an above average amount of jars? Here's what you need to know about God. A lack of faith and a lack of obedience will stop the process immediately. If you don't get any jars, there's no oil. Don't limit what God wants to do. But I need you to know what God does. God doesn't do above average. God does all the way. God fills every jar to the brim. I picture the boys being like, one of them's 12. She's still pouring the oil, and she's panicking because he's, you know. And the other one's filling up. To the brim. What's that? Every jar. He takes one boy's lunch, and they need baskets to pick up all the leftovers. Lazarus rises from the dead. He's not in ICU. He's sitting down having dinner with them that night. He takes the ditches and fills them with water and uses it to conquer the enemy. God doesn't do enough. He does more than enough. Always. And He'll do it in your life too. Go get the jars. Ephesians 3.20 is this... uh, verse I've known for years and it, I learned it in the old King James version the old version it's taught, it says it this way it says now unto him who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think there was this dude who took scripture and he just kind of wrote it in his own words it's not even a translation it's called the message he just wrote it in his own words And uh, but there's a few cool things in there and this is one of those verses and I really like the way he wrote it he said God can do anything you know far more than you could ever imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams and he does it not by pushing us around but by working within us his spirit deeply and gently within us he can do anything 
that whatever your situation is, whatever your problem is, whatever's going on in your life, I want you to know if you really believe in Him, you'll go to Him. If you really believe in Him, you'll attach yourself to other people. And if you really believe in Him, when He says, make the valley full of ditches, when He says, gather jars, you'll get as many as you can get. Because you know God's about to do something. Because you believe. It's the only thing holding you back. Humble yourself. Roll up your sleeves. And open the doorway for God to walk through and do what God wants to do. That's what you need to be doing. Not sitting in the corner. So I want to pray for you right now. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Bow your heads and I want you to think about it. There's something going on in your life right now. We can't even, we, we ask for so little. God can do so much. Will you trust Him? Will you follow Him? I had somebody tell me this this week. They said, I believe in God. And I said, well, I had the same thing we're talking about. I believe in God. And I said to my friend, there's a big difference in believing in and following. The demons believe. But how many jars will you get? Dear Lord, help us to trust you. Help us to follow you. Help us to believe in you feet to that belief. Help us to be obedient to you. Help us to trust you. Help us to trust you when we're the widow and our husband has died and things look bleak. Help us to trust you, Lord. No matter what we're going through, no matter what's happened, help us to trust you, Lord. To believe and to act on that belief watch you do what only you can do so that our faith will grow. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. It is our prayer that it's been helpful in this part of your life journey. We invite you to join us at Kusada Sunday mornings for worship. Visit our website at kusadabaptist.org for directions and more information about our church.